What's up, Panther fans? Uh, back with episode 103, Four Man Rush Podcast. Today we're playing cover two with myself and Country Kev. We're going to break down the Panthers' week five matchup against the Philadelphia Eagles. A little bit about the Eagles. They bring a one and three record into Charlotte this week. I look at them as a team that's a lot better than what their record shows. Um, you know, they played three very tough opponents over the past. Uh, three weeks, you know, they lost to San Francisco. They got lost to Dallas on Monday night. And they played a tough Kansas City team this past Sunday. So three tough games in a row. Now they got three and one Carolina coming up. And they got Tampa Bay next week. So this is really a gauntlet of a schedule that these Eagles are going through. So they're battle-tested. They're hungry. They're young. And, you know, I think it's going to be a bigger test than what their record uh, shows. They're a lot better than that. Uh, I, you look at their roster here, it uh, starts with their quarterback, uh, Jalen Hurts. You know, I look at Hurts as a guy, dual threat quarterback, obviously, but look at how much he's been able to improve from when he was at Alabama, looking at his first read and taking off and running, and how he developed as a passer when he went from Alabama to Oklahoma, and now as a pro. Um, Jalen Hurts, great leader, good guy. I mean, if he wasn't playing Carolina, he's an easy guy to root for. A great leader in that locker room. Very productive. He leads the team in passing, leads the league in rushing. I think he's, you know, what he has, uh, eight touchdowns and two interceptions, I think, this year. So I think uh, that's really much where this uh, offense starts. Okay, let's start with uh, you. What do you think about um, – what do you know about Jalen Hurts? What do you think – what challenges is he going to bring to the table in this matchup for us this week? Yeah, well, for me, for with Jalen Hurts, I, I think we're going to get – you know, a taste of, you know, a, a true dual threat quarterback uh, that we've yet to face this week. Uh, so, again, you know, in the trenches, which is where I always like to start, that gap integrity must be contained, must be held. We uh, we got to we got to rush the passer uh, when it's when it's passing and, and staring our lanes, because if not, Jalen Hurts can scoop and he can and will hurt you. And they is not afraid to, uh, you know, run him. Uh, multiple times, you know, just in the last game alone, you know, against Kansas City, he ran, you know, eight times for 47 yards. His longest run was like 12 yards. So in addition to him, you know, passing because he was like 32 for 48, that's like what, 66%, 67%, 105 passer waiting. So um, he's definitely someone that can, uh, has, is playing well enough to lead them to victory. So please don't think Please don't look at his record and think uh, the Panthers got this because we we definitely do not. Uh, you know, like the players were saying, um, especially Jermaine Carter was saying in interviews, we don't put blood in the water. Um, teams have noticed this is a copycat league. Uh, we expect other teams to emulate what Dallas does until we can prove consistently uh, that it can't be stopped. So I definitely expect uh, Jalen Hurts to be a part of the Eagles' run package. Now. Um, Prior to coming on, I was just doing a a um, live podcast with the with the, one of the uh, Eagle podcasters, and they said one of the biggest things that they uh, that the Eagles don't do is they don't run the ball enough. Well, after watching the film of the Panthers against Dallas, I, I expect them to try to get that running game right. You know, I mean, 
why not? You know, if I was an opposing def- if I was opposing offense coordinator and got the Panthers coming up after just seeing what I just what what was just put on the field in week four, you know, I would do the same thing. So uh, with Jalen Hurts, I definitely think that he's going to be uh, a true dual threat. Um, he's got the capability of throwing for three and running for 100. So he's someone that we got to um, we got to hit and we got to stay in our lanes. You bring up that run game. One thing you know about Eagles teams is they're always going to bring in a strong offensive line. I mean, their offensive line coach is legendary. He's developed several all pros. He survived several coaching regimes. He, I mean, whether he's developing blue chip prospects out of the draft and the all pro players or developing, you know, sixth round, seventh round picks, undrafted free agents, he's always able to put together a formidable unit. You look at this unit, it's got a very good mix of talented veterans as well as youth with out of the draft that's been able to acquire over the last couple of years. So you know, you're, a trench, you're one of our trench guys in this group. Let's start breaking down this Eagles offensive line. First and foremost, you have uh, all pro center and Jason Kelsey. Can you kind of go into detail on what makes him such a dominant center? Yeah, with Jason Kelsey, and you know, what makes him dominant is, number one for me, is his mental. He's, he's got a high football IQ. You know, naturally playing center, your job is to make the line calls and help make the adjustments and things like that. But, you know, for him, he's a he's definitely a student of the game um, from a physical aspect. Um, he plays with he plays with good low pads. He's someone that, uh, even though he may be outweighed by opposing defensive tackles, uh, he's someone that definitely um, has explosive and definitely uses his hips and his feet to get movement um, in the run game. And he's someone that's has good footwork that allows him to be able to pass block effectively as well. Um, I definitely think that he's someone that is your prototypical center. And as you know, as you see the last name here, you know, his brother is the all-pro tight end, um, Travis Kelsey out of uh, Kansas City. So, you know, they're brothers. So, you know, they just got that NFL bloodline, you know, running through them for greatness. So. Um, he's definitely a, he's definitely a player that's um, that's definitely going to be giving Derrick Brown and our other defense tackles, Daquan Jones. Uh, he's definitely going to give them um, a run for their money. Right, and Allen out there, interior offensive line looks like we got Landon Dickerson, the um, interior offensive lineman out of Alabama, who you were high on, and Nate Herbig will be the other guard. Let's focus more on Landon Dickerson because I know he was a guy that you were looking for the Panthers actually to target possibly in round two or three. What made you so attracted to Dickerson as a prospect coming out of the draft this past year? Yeah, well, for me, I looked at Dickerson to be someone that would be the uh, the next great center um, in this league, particularly, you know, uh, replacing a, a uh, Matt Paradis. I mean, we're talking about someone who overcame a lot of adversity uh, to be where he's at. Uh, he originally started out at Florida State. Um, played there, uh, got injured, ended up transferring to Alabama, um, played great with Alabama. I believe he did he win. I think he got two championships. Yep, he got two titles while at Alabama as well. He did get hurt in the SEC championship um, game, and he was allowed to come in and get the last snaps in the championship game, um, you know, against Ohio State. Uh, but he's just a, he's just a player that's uh, – he's nasty. Um he, he, he takes very good angles. Uh, he's just someone that just, he's got that old school nastiness 
but he's got that new that new school movement and flow with him. Uh, he doesn't take many false steps at all. Um, he definitely knows how to move a man off the spot. And if he can't move out the spot, he knows how to take them good angles uh, to create the lane that he needs. So he's just uh, he's just a, a very versatile player, as you can see here on the chart. They got him starting at left guard, but he, they also got him as the backup center and a backup right guard. So again, it just shows this position flexibility, something that we value um, so much. So uh, he's a hell of a player. Uh, definitely someone I wish uh, we could have grabbed. But um, as usual, the Philadelphia Eagles find a way to get the uh, real good uh, offensive lineman that we can't seem to grab. So that rounds out the interior uh, offensive line. When you look at the tackles as well, I mean, man, you real recognizable name on that right side. I know he missed this last game for personal reasons, so I don't know what his status is right now, but if he plays, you got a big challenge there on that right side for our edge rushers. I mean, this guy, I mean, led, the legend, the myth, the man, the legend himself, probably a Hall of Famer, uh, all pro. I mean, teach and take, you know, a lot of um, offensive line gurus out there. They show Lane Johnson when they want to teach technique. He participates in a lot of camps teaching young linemen. Ultimate technician. I mean, what tell everybody what makes Lane Johnson such a special right tackle for all these years? Um, as you mentioned, you know, he's a technician. You know, he's someone that not only possesses the the, the size uh, and the skill, but he he executed in a way that's just fundamentally sound. You know, if you want to put together your prototypical you know, right tackle. Um, Lane Johnson will be the one you want to put, you know, film on. Uh, left tackle will be 49ers. Uh, Trent Williams will be my prototypical left tackle. But as uh, far as Lane Johnson, um, he's someone that's has went against the best and has held his own against the best, um, you know, pretty much a majority of the prime of his career. So uh, he's earned every dollar that he's got, uh, you know, with his contract. Uh, he's just a player that uh, – you can't show him nothing that he doesn't know how to handle and how to counter. So whether it's Brian Burns, whether it's, you know, Hassan Reddick, you know, if we're in a 30 front coming off the edge, or if we decide to go more 40 front, you know, whether it's a Morgan Fox or uh, whoever want to play that, uh, that uh, D in position, um, you, you, you're going to be in a battle with Lane Johnson. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. So um, don't know, like I said, what his status is going to be. If he's out for personal reasons, I do expect him uh, to play. Um, but if not, uh, that would be a lucky break for the Panthers if he doesn't play for whatever reason. But uh, I do expect him to play. But, you know, as a fan of the trenches, if you want to see um, good good line play, if you if you want to see how you would hope Taylor Moten evolves into, watch Lane Johnson. Okay, rounding out their offensive line on left tackle, you got a couple young guys there. You got Andre Dillard, who was their first-round pick. I think he came out in the same year Brian Burns came out. Was that 2019? And we got um, Jordan Mailata, who was actually beat, it, beat out Andre Dillard in camp. Uh, Mailata was hurt last week, so Dillard got to start. How familiar are you with these two le young left tackles that they have um, that the Eagles are bringing this week? Um, as far as Andre Dillard, you know, this is, you know, this is probably one of uh, Big Smooth's favorite guys uh, as far as from a pass pass blocking set. Um, now, he does have a lot of work to do in the run blocking, but if you're looking for your prototypical efficient pass blocking 
Um, left tackle, you know, Andre Dillard is is would be that guy. Uh, Forrest is the guy that beat him out. Uh, Jordan Malata, uh, honestly, you know, I'm not going to shoot the shit. I really don't know too much about him. Um, so I'm not going to just, you know, sit up here and just spit out Drew because we don't do that here as a four-man rush. But obviously, if you beat out Dillard, um, I'm suspecting that you definitely have um, the ability to, um, you know, be able to effectively, you know, protect the quarterback and try to get movement when they do decide to run the ball. Um, but I really don't have a whole lot on him. So overall, what we know is it's pretty much a solid offensive line. I think it's the second week in a row we'll see that. So I think we really got to come prepared up front. And I, what I see about Philly's offense as well, two very good tight ends. You have Dallas Goddard, who's coming into his own, you know, the big target, good receiving threat, underrated as a blocker. Not as not what he's strongest at, but he's a willing and able blocker. Good hands, so he's a matchup problem that we'll have on defense. I mean, you saw last week, Dallas got the tight ends very involved against us. We had trouble covering them, coverage breakdowns. Even in man coverage, it's really not our strength covering these guys one-on-one. And with Shaq Thompson probably missing time, you know, I could see the Eagles, you know, using a lot of two tight end sets and 12 personnel. And you got Zach Ertz, another very productive veteran, smart, savvy route runner, gets open, finds soft spots and zones, soft hands, doesn't drop a lot of balls, and also a willing and able blocker as well. So what I would expect if they're watching the Cowboys tape, we're going to come out 12 personnel, one running back, two tight ends, and that's going to give them the flexibility. That's going to run the ball, run quarterback power, read options. You know, they can run the play action off of that, get their tight ends involved. So the thing I felt like we didn't do against Dallas was personnel match. I think Dallas um, wanted to set the tone. They wanted to get our speed off the field, you know, take our fast edge rushers out, take our fast safeties out, and make us play our base defense. Phil Snow was kind of stubborn against that and stayed up. And, again, his nickel package against the Cowboys, we just had a very undersized front, very undersized second-level guys against the Cowboys' power run game. And I think Brett Coleman put up the stats on Twitter today. Out of our nickel personnel against 12 – Against 12 personnel, we're giving up 15.2 yards per carry. That's crazy. So what do you think we need to do against this Eagles offense? Because I anticipate with these two talented tight ends, they're probably going to come out just like Dallas and play a lot of 12 personnel. What are some personnel packages we can do to counter that? Which players you think can see, maybe see more reps this week that didn't get to play a lot last week? Yeah, well, for me, the first time I'm thinking is that, you know, we are a hybrid defense in the offseason. It was said that our base was going to be a 4-3. But in all training camp preseason so far this season, our base has been a 3-4. Well, now that we've put film on on how to run and attack us um, here, I I like to see us beef it up by going to a more 40-front style of attack, particularly in our base, particularly against, you know, 12 personnel, you know, if they come out of 22 personnel or 21 personnel, I definitely think that, um, you know, we need to go ahead and nip it in the bud early and often. No, nah, that, that running shit that happened last week, uh, that was an asterisk. That's that's not that's not who we are. So I think that would be the best way to counter that is to match up um, by going more 40 fronts um, against base packages. Um, that that's That's what I would see. And as far as players to get more action, uh, you brought it up, Will. Um, you know, see Morgan Fox at that 4-3 DM position. Um, I don't know his status, if he'll play it, which I hope he do, because he's definitely a stout run defender and still can pressure the presser. 
Uh, that would be second-year player Utia Gross Matos. Uh, I definitely like him um, as a 4-3 defensive end um, here for us. And, of course, you know, Brian Burns can play uh, that 4-3 defensive end as well uh, with the effectiveness he can as a um, as a 3-4 uh, outside linebacker. Um, so, yeah, that, that would be the adjustments that I would see that um, that we could do whenever uh, teams come out in more uh, base-heavy personnel. On the second level, we had played a lot of nickel packages with Jeremy Chin playing at more of a box linebacker. We had Sam Franklin, um, CJ, well, cornerbacks. We were playing small nickel mostly. We had three cornerbacks. You had uh, Sam Franklin and Chandler kind of rotating in safety. You think you'll see more uh, put an extra linebacker out there to match this um, 12 personnel, or would you put Jeremy Chin, maybe move him to linebacker and put Franklin and Chandler at safety because remember with Shaq Thompson out, we're gonna have to find that extra body to get in there to play on that second level in the box to take his spot. So, what are some of the things we can do with linebacker to kind of counter when the Eagles come out with two tight ends? I know we probably see Frankie Louvu, we'll see Jermaine Carter at third linebacker position. I mean, we got guys like Julian Stanford, we got guys like Clay Johnston, we just pulled up a guy from the practice squad you think any of these other additional linebackers should see more action this week or you think we're just going to try to move jeremy chin and run with franklin and um sean chandler at the two safety positions yeah i'm definitely for you know jeremy chin showing his versatility and um playing more reps at linebacker for us this week i mean it's clearly obvious you know based on the reason you said you know two tight ends because if the eagles tried out you know, they're two tight ends and we're responding with um, anyone else but Jeremy Chen out there as a linebacker. Um, I think it's open season for uh, the tight ends against us. I think we're really setting ourselves up to really have a long day. Uh, so with that being said, in a base personnel, particularly with a 4-3, um, I like to see Jermaine Carter at Mike, um, you know, Jeremy Chen, you know, at the wheel, the weak side, and um, see like Frankie Louvu, you know, at the strong side. Um, I'm all for, you know, guys like Sam Franklin and, um, you know, to uh, get reps um, at safety here. Um, um, Chandler as well. Um, I know that, uh, I don't know what's the status of Burris for the week. I think, but they say he's going to be out a few weeks though, right, Will? Burris? Yeah, Burris is out a minimum of three weeks. So this will be week two of his IR. Oh yeah, he got put on our yeah. So uh, I definitely like to see the um, the young guys uh, get get more reps at safety. Um, now I'm not sure about the depth after that um, after Chandler and Franklin um, that we have, but um, yeah, this is definitely a game where where we definitely need to uh, put Jeremy in, Jeremy Chin and use him more in the, in the linebacker role this week. I know uh, Kenny Robinson, I believe, was promoted from practice squad, so he might. Be oh, another yeah. body in the safety room that we'll have access to as well. Yeah, so, my boy Kenny. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about this um, Eagles run game. I mean, they have a pretty much three running backs kind of bring each of their own skill sets. I mean, Miles Sanders is the main back. He has been pretty unproductive this year. You know, I think he only has like 160 yards through four games, hasn't scored a touchdown yet. We've really seen Kenneth Gainwell, this backup running back, get a lot of his carries. Boston Scott's more of a third down 
back type. So kind of a running back by committee thing they have going on there. Jalen Hurts is their leading rusher, though, so the run game kind of starts with him. Now what I typically see with running quarterbacks is what it does, it allows you to have an extra blocker in the backfield so it becomes 11-on-11, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, when watching the Cowboys film, seeing how Dallas was able to bully us up front, what are some ways you can counter that? I mean, you're going to have Jalen Hurts in the backfield or maybe a read option or QB power, and, you know, they're going to have 10 blockers because the running back's basically a blocker instead of a ball carrier. Now, that's something we used to do a lot with Cam Newton, and it was so effective because it really – you know, puts everything on an even scale. You know, the quarterback's an actual ball carrier. He's not just running out of fake and have two unblocked guys. So what are some things we need to do defensively to combat these design quarterback runs that Jalen Hurts will typically use? Well, one thing I would like to see is, um, you know, Phil Snow get back to his uh, blitz-heavy packages um, here to counter that because one thing that I've seen uh, effectively uh, to counter that is uh, blitzing whenever you have a, you know, running quarterback who has that, you know, that RPO uh, type ability to, uh, you know, either, you know, hand it off, keep it for himself or possibly even throw it. Um, you know, even though Jalen Hurst was 32 or 48 against uh, the Chiefs, you know, traditionally, you know, primarily he hasn't really been the most accurate of passers. So, uh, even though they do have talent, they wide receiver positions. Again, I think our focus should be on on you know stopping this uh, versatile run attack. I think we're going to see uh, because even in their last game against the Chiefs, uh, they only ran the ball like 19 times. They get it 103 yards. Uh, Jalen Hurts, as I mentioned earlier, eight carries, 47 yards. Uh, Miles Sanders only seven carries, 13 yards. Uh, Kenneth Gainswell, three carries, 31 yards. Uh, and they even got the wide receiver in on, I think it was a jet sweep, Jalen Rager, uh, one carry for 12 yards. And that was it. So, uh, like I said, they haven't, you know, prior to us, been a run-heavy team. But I, I definitely can see um, Hurts and these one of these running backs, you know, getting double-digit carries uh, to test us here because they had ability uh, to pick up big yards and make a house call. You know, if if we play with the same poor uh, gap integrity, same poor open field tackling that we displayed against the uh, that we displayed against the Cowboys here. So for me, um, you know, I would use a variety of run blitzes, you know, whether it be linebacker, whether it be uh, safety here, just to just to cause some early disruption. Uh, one thing I think Dallas and Kansas City were able to do was get up on Philadelphia to make them. And those um, one-dimensional, now you have to pass. So that kind of one way to neutralize the run game as well. But another way Jalen Hurts can get his rushing yards is quarterback scrambles. You saw uh, Phil Snow playing a lot of man coverage with the what happens there. You get your pass rush and you don't. the pass rush doesn't get home. Now all your linebackers and corners have their back turned to the QB because they're focused on coverage. That just opens up a huge running lane for the quarterback to take off, scramble, and get chunk plays out of that too. So... Uh, pass rush, you know, getting homes, being disciplined in your rush lanes and making that tackle and not overrunning them is going to be very important this week. Then finally, that the Eagles uh, wide receiver, I think they got three very talented athletes at wide receiver here. You got Devontae Smith, who had one of the greatest college seasons of all time last year at Alabama. A very great, very crisp route runner, soft hands, 
uh, good, good separation. I mean, every part of the route, he's fantastic. He means good off the release, very hard to get hands on. Um, he's, you know, on the stems of his routes, very good manipulating, not going to know. He looks like he's running the same route until he gets out of his break. So it's a very difficult guy to cover in man coverage. And I think he had his best game as a pro last week. So he'll present a challenge. Uh, Jalen Rager, he's just a playmaker. They're going to get him on jet sweep screens, short passes, get the ball in his hands and let him make plays with it. And Quez Watkins, you know, another great athlete they got out there that can do a lot with the ball in his hands. I think they have a trio of very talented athletic receivers that we're going to have to match up with. So I think with our secondary, I mean, this might be the week to finally get C.J. Henderson up to speed. Uh, I thought he played pretty well in his first game. I know he did give up a touchdown on the stat sheet, so his stats don't look great. But you watch that rep, man. I mean, that was probably one of the best thrown ball, deep balls you'll see when Dak Prescott hit Amari Cooper. I mean, just think about you know Dak Prescott's playing an elite level at that quarterback position. Uh, Amari Cooper is probably one of the best receivers in the league, truly elite player as well, arguably one of the better route runners you'll see. I mean, C.J. Henderson was right there with him step for step. The ball was just placed perfectly over Coop's outside shoulder, and there's not really much you can do about that. But and I, I'm confident C.J. Henderson will get a lot of playing time this week because we need a lot of more athleticism on that back end. Nothing against Rashawn Melvin, but, you know, I think we just need a more athletic corner that can keep up with these young athletic receivers that the Eagles have. Um, so they come out in three wide receiver sets. You'll probably see C.J. Henderson, A.J. Boye, and Dante Jackson come out in two wide receiver sets. I'd like to see Dante Jackson and C.J. Henderson match up against Devontae Smith and Jalen Ragor. So you have any other comments about the secondary, Kev, before we get on to the Philly defense? Yeah, I was going to ask you because, you know, skill players is definitely more your comfort zone. Uh, what do you think about the uh, the other wide receiver they got? Um, I don't know if uh, J.J. Uh, Arceus, what, Whiteside? Uh, I think he was like a second-round pick for them just a couple of years ago. Um, mm-hmm. You know, from from what you know of Gathered, um, uh, you know, is he not getting any? Uh, it's not getting any reps. You know, what's uh, what's the deal with him? Because when I looked at the uh, uh, stats, he's, he didn't even um, he didn't even get targeted in the game. Yeah, he uh, JJ was coming out of Stanford. He was his big body wide receiver, good 50-50 ball getter. And I guess they came in and they expected him to kind of be that red zone weapon. You know, throw the ball up and he can go get it. But he just had a lot of polish. He needed that. Just being an NFL wide receiver, you can't out-bully everybody in the NFL. You got to learn how to beat guys with skill, learn how to get open, read coverages, things like that. So then he's just coming along slowly and just hasn't developed where he needs it to be to be um, a productive NFL wideout. And I think also just comes down to the system they play. I think they want to be more of a um, quick pass offense to get the ball in the hands of these athletic playmakers so they can make plays in space. Especially with a guy like Jalen Hurts, you know, he wants to hold the ball. This is a good way to get the ball out of his hands, let him distribute to these guys, and they can, all of them have the ability to make plays after the catch. So tackling and getting guys on the ground is going to be key this week. So finally, just to wrap up with this Eagles offense, what do you think the key, three keys to victory for the Panthers' defense are this week to contain this Eagles offense before we look at what they bring to the table on defense? Yeah, well, the key for the Panthers' um, uh, defense is uh, to regain, number one, regain their manhood by absolutely obliterating any and all running on the ball attempts, whether it's with the running back, whether it's jet sweep, whether it's 
you know, quarterback design, quarterback power. Um, you know, you know, like my boy said in the program, um, line them up, let the paramedics sort them out. You know, we need to have that type of attitude, you know, from a run defense perspective. Well, we definitely got to get our our uh, our swag back because, like I said, we was violated in Dallas. Uh, number two, um, I think that we uh, we got we got to confuse, you know, Jalen Hurts. Um, I like I like Phil Snow um, as an advantage, uh, throwing out different type of schemes uh, to cause some confusion. Uh, I do expect us to use a little bit of spy on him for the simple fact that he is their leading rusher. Uh, you know, so like you said, you know, maybe sets where we may be playing in man, but we leave somebody in as a spy such, you know, maybe as a Jeremy Chen. You know, I, I like Jeremy Chen lined up on, you know, Jalen Hurts if he decides to run. Um, he definitely can match him um, af- uh, athletic-wise. Uh, and then number three, I, I just think that we got to uh, – we, we definitely got to try to force turnovers as well. Uh, one of the things that that um, that I learned when I was doing talking with the uh, on the Eagles podcast was coming on is that the the Eagles they they make a lot of uh, they have they uh, they have a lot of penalties and they're making a lot of mistakes so we got to capitalize on these mistakes uh, you know that they make so I, I just think that uh, being an opt- optimistic defense that's stuffing a run and um, and you know using different covers, different looks to, you know, make, you know, Hurts hesitate long enough for our pass rush to get in, I think that'll be the key. Okay, well, there you have it. So let's take a look at what the um, Eagles have on defense. I mean, first and foremost, you look, it's a very talented front four. I mean, you got Josh Sweat, you know, big athletic pass rusher on the left side, uh, Derek Barnett, you know, he's a few-year veteran. He's also pretty good in his own right, but the strength of his defensive line is two interior defensive tackles, Javon Hargrave, and of course, the man, the myth, the legend himself, Fletcher Cox. Can you tell us a little bit about these two defensive tackles and what makes them so tough to deal with? Yeah, well, what's, you know, what's done transpired this year is that uh, Fletcher Cox is getting a lot of the double teams, so he's not putting up the usual statistical you know, numbers that he's, you know, has been accustomed to, and that's been allowing, you know, that's been allowing his um, partner to uh, to feast here, uh, Hargrove, um, Hargrave's here. So uh, I just think that it's pretty much a pick your poison with these uh, defensive tackles. And, you know, with Javon Hargrave, um, he's someone that's uh, just, you know, been playing, you know, at a very good dominating level uh, while, uh, while, you know, teams are so focused on Fletcher Cox. So, you know, our interior offensive line, which is to need to say, you know, probably our weakest point on the team um, overall is is in for another test. Um, I, I think that the defensive tackles by the Eagles are more talented than what we just faced against the Cowboys. Now, mind you, coming into the game last week, the Cowboys only had four sacks. Uh, we gave up five. Four of those sacks came on the left side. So, again, whoever... Um, we have, you know, playing on the left side uh, this week. I think it's going to be thoroughly tested um, here. So, uh, you know, you just, you know, we just going to buckle up and, and and man up and and just, you know, and try to get the job done. Whether it's through scheme, whether it's through double teams, whether it's, you know, whatever you know Joe Brady wants to come up with, it, we definitely got to definitely got to execute it. And then from, you know, the you know from the edge position, I mean. You know, Derek Barnett. You know, I think he, I think he made a huge play in the Super Bowl, if I'm not uh, mistaken. Well, when they played, when they beat New England, yeah, the Patriots uh, game. Uh-huh. 
Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you're talking about someone that's performed at the highest level on the biggest stage. Uh, you know, he's someone that definitely um, is definitely capable of uh, wrecking havoc and causing disruption the same way that, you know, Randy Gregory did for the Cowboys last week. So, uh, again, the uh, the advantage goes to the Eagles when it's their defense line versus our offensive line. You know, I, I know we talk about it every week like a dead horse, but until it gets better, you know, we, we're going to keep mentioning it. Um, uh, this Panthers offensive line is in for another huge test. Let's go more into that. I know you finally got around to being able to watch a little bit or rewatch the Dallas game a second and third time or however many. What do you see um, on our offensive line against Dallas, and what do you think they need to do better this week against Philadelphia? And also, do you think we we got to stick with the same unit or is it time to see what we have with, you know, guys like Deontay Brown and possibly Brady Christensen? Well, if you listen to Matt Rule, um, you know, Miller and Irvin, um, who's who struggled in the uh, in, in the game, you know, were also battling uh, also battling injuries. So, you know, take that for what it's worth um, as far as what led to it. But, you know, when rewatching the game, uh, I just see us, you know, struggling with fundamentals. I'm seeing a lot of missteps, you know, in our pass sets. Uh, I'm not seeing us taking right angles to uh, cut these defenders off. Um, I'm definitely still still not seeing that nastiness whenever we uh, are run blocking. Um, it's just it's just a lot as a you know my offense line coach say a lot of titty bumping going on in the trenches from us, and, and I don't like that. I really don't. So. Uh, I get it that we're we're zone guys and we're not, uh, you know, power blocking guys on offense line. With them and if we're zone guys, let's get the zone and let's 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 get some movement and 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 get and get things going because, you know, we 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 can't continue to play like we did, and expect to just get by like we have been getting by because truth be told, we just barely got by. We got exposed by a great quarterback and Dak Prescott a great offensive line, and a great running back, something that we had not faced this year. So this was a much-needed uh, much needed slap in the face. But, um, yeah, we definitely um, yeah, we definitely got to take care of it. I know a lot of our fans have been clamoring for the get the rookies some playing time, Deontay Brown and Brady Christensen. Now, I mean, I know as fans we always have the grass is greener approach and we want to see things from our rookies. But let's play – devil's advocate we're not at practice every day so we don't really see if there really are an upgrade over what we have in the game now what were some things you saw from your times at camp in preseason why Brady Christensen and Deontay Brown may not necessarily be ready to step in and be starters at this point in their careers well I'll start with Brady Christensen who was obviously one of the more intriguing controversial picks uh you know it's well documented how how me and Big Smooth feel about him. But, you know, when he finally got some playing time in the preseason and even um, some reps during the regular season, um, again, you know, his strength is he's got an elite get-off and he takes good angles because he's very athletic. The problem is once he makes contact, the contact is not coming with enough force to be able to make much of an impact. Um, you know, and that's – and that's it doesn't matter where you put him at, whether you put him on the left side or the right side, uh, whether you put him at um, tackle or guard. Uh, you still send the same, still send the same thing out of Brady Christensen. Um, you just see a big athletic guy that's out there, uh, but he 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 doesn't have the type of impact that you need coming from the offensive line to move the players out the way. Now, 
Do I think that's something that can be coached on a fix? Yes, I, I definitely think it, it can. Uh, but I, the reason why I don't think he's getting a lot of reps, why he hasn't been able to take take advantage of the openings that's been provided by um, um, injury time by at, at our guard position, is just a simple fact that he's not physical enough um, to affect the game in a way that we need it. So he wouldn't improve what we currently have. Now, as far as Deontay Brown, uh, it's just quite simply, he will be an asset in the run game, but he will be a, li- a liability in the pass game. I'm proud of him for getting his weight down. Uh, last I heard, he's like in the mid 330s. Uh, but, you know, again, you know, his footwork, uh, his mobility, particularly when it comes uh, against, um, you know, pass blocking is something that still needs to be worked on. Um, I hope he's taking it personal, being inactive to perfect this craft and working on it. But these are the reason why these two um, rookies uh, haven't been inserted into the offensive line yet. Now, looking at these Eagles linebackers, I mean, this shows their base for a three set, but obviously they do sub packages depending on what we throw to them. Eric Wilson, Alex Singleton, Jannard Avery, not very big names. And they played, quite honestly, they played pretty poorly uh, this year. You can ask any Eagles fans, you know, they're, they're not happy with the way these linebackers have played so far this year uh, versus the run or the pass. I mean, they can't, not very effective in coverage, not very effective in filling gaps, not reading and reacting very fast. Um, just to give you an idea, uh, we can't, you know, do a full film breakdown tonight, but look at the PFF grades of these three linebackers. Two of them are in the 30s. I mean, that's pretty bad, I mean, I mean, compared to their grading standards. Now, we know the strengths and weaknesses with that grading system, but that just gives you an idea of how much these guys have struggled in the eyes of that source, and it's consistent with what you're hearing on not a lot of Philadelphia as well. Look at the last two weeks, Dallas and Kansas City, when the Eagles have given back 40 or more points in back-to-back weeks. I mean, they mocked the Falcons week one and only gave up eight points. That was – Kind of misleading, though, because the several next three games after that, I mean, they've been abused, and a big part of the weaknesses in the defense has been this poor linebacker play. So I think attacking these linebackers is going to be very key this week. And what are some ways we can do that, uh, Kev? You want to run some, you know, inside zone plays, get bodies on them on the second level. You want to expose them in coverage, get our tight ends involved, maybe use a lot of crossing routes if they plan to play zone coverage, create mismatches with, guys like DJ Moore and Terrace Marshall? Yeah, well, for me, like I said, if it's a copycat league, um, I'm looking at what Kansas City did to them last week. And on, and this might shock a lot of people for an Andy Reid coach team. Well, how about they ran the ball more than they passed it? <laughs> if you want to believe it. they um, uh, Kansas City ran the ball um, 32 times, and they passed 30 times. Um you know, so that's rare. I mean, they had a uh, 14 carries for 102 yards by Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Uh, their other running back, Darrell Williams, 10 carries for 42 yards. Uh, you know, the Chiefs ran for 200 yards against this uh, Eagles defense. So, like I said, if you can get enough success and get some cracks against this defensive line, I think the floodgates run open for this running game. So, um, I think that Chuba Hubbard, Royce Freeman are really going to have a chance to really uh, explode and take advantage um, of this from a passing attack standpoint. Believe it or not, even though the Chiefs scored 42 points, uh, Travis Kelsey only had four catches for 23 yards. You know, that's 
<laughs> you know, anybody that had him in fantasy, that's like a, you know, that's a shocker. Uh, but, you know, again, they're secondary, which um, I know you haven't made mention yet, but, you know, that seems to also be a weakness of him because, uh, you know, Tyreek Hill, well, he does this a lot of people. Uh, he got me 47 points in fantasy, by the way. But he had 11 catches, 186 yards, uh, and three touchdowns. So, um, again, I think guys like, you know, DJ Moore and even Robbie Anderson can probably uh, get off as well. But uh, I would do a balanced attack against this Eagle team, um, you know, run it 30 times, you know, pass it 25, 30 times. Uh, I think a balanced attack would uh, uh, would do just right. Right, that's definitely something I want to see us do this week as well. I think Chuba Hubbard was very effective running the ball against the Cowboys. We got away, we kind of got away from that, though. I think when you tend to get behind young offensive coordinators, think you have to throw, throw, throw. And as we saw with Sam Darnold, that's when he tends to make mistakes. That's when, you know, the defense knows what you're doing. You get after the quarterback a little more and get them under pressure. And then you lose that balance in your offense. You lose, you become too predictable. And that allows defenses to force turnovers and hit your quarterback a lot more. Moving on to the Eagles secondary. I mean, there were some recognizable names in there. I mean, Darius Slay, when we all know, probably one of the upper-tier cornerbacks in the league, signed them to a big contract. And he's been solid so far. I mean, I can't – I mean, he's good in man and zone coverage, good instincts, good ball skills. One, You know, very big fan of his since he was playing with the Lions uh, back in the day. Um, free agent acquisition, Anthony Harris, I think was one of the highest sought-after safeties when he was a free agent. Comes from the Minnesota Vikings. Again, safety's got very good range, very good ball skills. Makes you know he makes plays, can tackle. So I mean, I think you got two very good players in that secondary as well. Um, the other guys are lesser known, but I don't see anything here. I think we played. I don't think they have a guy that's on their roster as good as Trayvon Diggs last week. And we saw. I mean, DJ Moore had a very good game against him, whether they were in man or zone coverage. So I mean, I think this week. I expect to see another big day from DJ Moore. I mean, we saw how Kansas City was able to use Tyreek Hill and uh, get him extremely productive against this Eagles defense. I think you'll see – want to see Robbie Anderson get involved more. I mean, he's getting open. I mean, he had a couple plays he was open. We just weren't able to connect with him downfield. So I definitely think that's something we have – that's somebody we just have to get involved as the season goes on. He's too talented a player, too explosive of a weapon to not – you know, have more opportunities. And I think, you know, deep balls, they're not, they're, they're low percentage throws. We just have to take more shots and try to get that connection with Robbie going. He's going to be a key part of what we do as the season goes on. And I mean, Terrace Marshall as well. I mean, he's a matchup weapon. I thought we had some opportunities to get him the ball and we just failed to do so. So we just have to find ways to get all of our weapons involved this week because I think this, we got to score points against this defense. They, 40 points back-to-back weeks. There's so many weaknesses that can be exposed. Not very impressed with their linebacking core. Their defensive line is pretty solid. So, I mean, what do we do? We got to get the ball out quick, get the ball in our hands of our playmakers and let them make plays. We have to run the ball, get bodies on combo block, move these guys off the ball, get on the second level to these linebackers who are very slow at reading, reacting. You know, maybe we see a big day for Chuba Hubbard or I think Rodney Smith played extremely well against the Cowboys. So look for him to see more touches as well. So we just want to see a balanced offense this week, develop consistency. And I think this is a defense that 
has a lot of areas that can be exposed and we'll have a lot of opportunities to attack and put up a lot of points this week. So we put up 30 points uh, yet this year, Cal? Um, nah, not yet. Uh, we haven't. Um, this past week with the, what we had, 28? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, that was, yeah, that was, uh, yeah, that was our high because we had, uh, I believe, 27 against the Saints. Uh, I think we only had, like, what, 24 against the So, yeah, uh, we yet to put up a 30-burger. But, yeah, anything less than 31 points this week um, is a disappointment. Um, somebody else that you didn't mention, I think, has a chance to really take advantage, particularly these linebackers with his athleticism and his aggressiveness. Um, I think, you know, um, our new incumbent number one tight end, you know, Tommy Trumbull, I think he's someone that could definitely have an impact. You know, this could be the type of game where he can break out with a four or five catch, uh, you know, 60 yards or more type of uh, effort because uh, it was one play where he was uh, wide open down the sidelines, and, you know, Sam Donner just missed him. You know, so I think that he's a player that can um, also take advantage because while they may be focusing on trying to contain DJ Moore and, and Robbie Anderson, he's someone that I think can, you know, on the underneath and on the sideline stuff, you know, really, uh, really take advantage as well. Yeah, definitely. I think it just got to, I think with the offense, what, what I noticed is we just need consistent execution across the board. Certain plays, um, we're just not protecting the quarterback. He's under duress. Play fails because of that. The plays, we finally get the pass protection right. We get guys open downfield. We miss the throw. Make him make the play there. Other times, receivers aren't getting open, not getting separation. Now the quarterback's holding the ball too long, getting nervous in the pocket. We can't make plays there. We just need to have just a few series where we can just execute like a you know well-oiled machine on all cylinders. And I think if we can do that, um, I just want to. I think this is the week we got to really put up some points on these guys. It's asking a lot for our defense to contain, you know, the Eagles' offense with Jalen Hurts and these wide receivers. So, and especially the tight ends as well. So, you know, I think this is the week we got to. Um, I don't want to see a shootout, but I think it's offensively it's time to put up a lot of points, make a statement, and start to hit our stride over these next several games. So that covers the look at the breakdown of the Eagles match. So we'll take a look at some of these fan comments and questions uh, before we call it a night. First comment thinks they're going to copy the Dallas Cowboys, what they tried to do. Do you think this Eagles offense has the ability to mimic what Dallas did? Because, I mean, with Dallas, you had Ezekiel Elliott, Tony Pollard, fantastic running backs. You had um, Zach Martin, generational guard. You had Tyron Smith at tackle. So do you see similarities at all between – the Cowboys and Eagles personnel that would allow them to mimic what Dallas did against our defense? Um, similar as far as personnel-wise? No, not at all. Um, I think a more diverse running attack because I think Jalen Hurts is a more dynamic runner than a Dak Prescott, even though Dak did hurt us, you know, on, on some few scrambles. But as far as, like, intentional well-designed run plays, um, I think they'll try to be a, a three-headed monster, you know, with their running attack. Uh, with the Eagles because, um, you know, that other – the other kid that they had at uh, running back uh, – what was his name? Um, Gainwell? Yeah, he's he's more like their receiving running back option because uh, he had six catches in the game as well. But, again, watching the film, being a copycat league, hell yeah, I, I expect them to, to use their version of how they like to run the ball. Um, so don't be surprised if they don't go – heavy on the offensive line by adding an additional lineman and uh, 
things of that nature to uh, to see if we can stop it. Again, me and you both have said, you know, if it was us, we would do it. You know, the NFL is all about, you know, matchups and 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 attacking exposed weaknesses. So until we show we can stop it, I expect the Eagles to uh, attack us with their own uh, rushing attack uh, with some similar um, uh, manpower blocking schemes that seem to have worked so well against us. Okay. Wouldn't be shocked if we took a look at Cowboys linebacker Jalen Smith that was just released. Now, I mean, Jalen Smith, I mean, he had, was excellent in his first couple of seasons. If you recall, he had a very serious knee injury at Notre Dame, and he slowed down a bit. You know, his sideline to sideline speed isn't what it once was. His coverage ability wasn't what it once was. But he's still a good football player, has good instincts. I mean, we saw him make some plays against us. Jalen Smith, the guy you think we should, you know, pick up the phone, make a call, and see if we could probably bring him in for a workout? Hell yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, look, we, you know, we got Shaq out, um, you know, with, uh, with his, did they ever say specifically what was Shaq's injury? Shaq has a foot injury and I guess he's week to week, but not on IR just yet. Yeah. See, see that right there, that, that would be enough to, um, uh, to make a call. I mean, one thing Scott Fitter said from day one and, and we seen him do is that he said he's in on every deal. So, um, you know, depending on, you know, what's the real reason behind his release. I, I've been reading on Twitter uh, that, you know, said that he didn't fit the system. But uh, they took a huge cap hit and they're paying a lot of his salary to let him go. So, um, you know, because I think he just signed that big contract, if not last year, but the year before. So, um, uh, but yeah, I, I definitely, I definitely would bring him, um, definitely would bring him in. I definitely think that he would uh, definitely boost our, our talent that we put out at the linebacker position. Um, and he would come in with a chip on his shoulder. So, yeah, fitter, uh, make the call. Yeah, and I mentioned earlier about personnel matching. You know, with Dallas, they came out with two tight end sets. We're on a nickel or a big nickel package. I mean, that's a mismatch. You saw our guys get blown off the ball, gave up 15 yards a carry, you know, trying to play nickel against 12 personnel. So now, you know, we match a double tight end set with a Jalen Smith, Frankie Louvu, and uh, Jermaine Carter, a linebacker. We might be more sturdy and defending the run. So it's definitely something I would consider as well, even though he may not be the same guy he was, you know, during his first two years in this league. Cox is going to kill Matt. Okay, I got we got to address this because a lot of people have this impression that Matt Paradis had a bad game when really he had a bad play. Want to go into more detail on that? I thought he was actually one of our better, best-performing linemen this past week. Yeah, you got to think about it. And football fans, in particular Panther fans, I love y'all, but let's call a spade a spade. You know, a, you know the one one or two bad plays that a player makes, y'all will go ahead and, you know, just automatically assume uh, that that's the overall totality of his work that day. Um, and even though I was mad in the moment when he did give up that sack, but like I said, going back and watching over it, uh, Matt Paradis had a very solid game, um, you know, for us. Uh, did he give up a couple of pressures? Yes. Did he give up that sack? Yes. But he played 70 snaps. So are we really going to let three or four plays dictate? And I get it. Fans may not watch and study it the way that we do to put out this type of, you know, analysis, this type of observation breakdown of what happened. Uh, but, you know, again, you know, with Matt Paradis, I mean, it is – it's definitely a legit concern because what was it, 2017, Will, when um, the Eagles came down here 
and Fletcher Cox had Trey Turner on skates. <laughs> I still remember that play. He had him on skates with one hand pushing him, and he was going after Cam Newton with the other. You know, I'll never forget that because I was at that game. Um, so that was uh, – yeah, that was – a matter of fact, I think that was a Sunday night game, from, if I recall. Um, but, yeah, man, that, that definitely was um, – yeah, he's definitely someone to be worried about. But, again, uh, Cox hasn't really put up the big numbers because he's been getting a lot of double teams. Uh, but he's still very capable. Again, don't don't let any of these stats about uh, this uh, team, particularly uh, this uh, defensive line, make you think anything else. They are a legit threat. Um, so he has a right to be concerned about uh, um, Cox against Matt Paradis. But, um, yeah, Paradis definitely, definitely uh, head us on a lot better than our fans are willing to acknowledge. We definitely need to create turnovers. We haven't been able to consistently take the ball away. Now, keep in mind, they robbed us of one. <laughs> you know, that forward progress. We should have had another turnover, but I agree. Two. I think, you know, we, we have to do a better <laughs> On job. On the same drive. The ball. Yeah, right. <laughs> we do have to do a better job of taking the ball away, though. I think we need – as a secondary, even J.C. Horn has an interception. I don't think Dante has one yet. So, yeah, we got a – Bing Burris has one. So, yeah, definitely we need to start – getting more takeaways for this uh, defense. And uh, what's next? Will Deontay Brown be used? We already talked about that, I think, um, maybe later in the season, but I would count on this being more of a redshirt year for Deontay Brown. And that's not surprising. He's a sixth-round pick and needed to um, get his – he's probably more focused on getting his weight down this offseason and polishing his technique. So I think with a year of being at the right weight where he can focus on just getting better as a guard, Maybe next year will be when he starts to compete for a starting role. A lot of old line questions. <laughs> Do we have any hope for this offensive line? Let's narrow down the old line issues, though. I think there's a lot of confusion about that. Taylor Moten, while not, I don't think he's an elite tackle, solid enough, right? Matt Paradis has been very good, I think, these last couple of weeks. And Dennis Daly, I think, has played two excellent games in a row, back-to-back. Back. I think especially since he moved from the right side to the left side, he said in the interview that he's played on the left side his entire career, so that's where he's most comfortable. Well, Pat Elfline goes down, and now, you know, Dennis Daly gets two starts. You know, he gets to prepare the week as a starter instead of a backup, wondering what position he's going to have to play. Now, during the week, he's preparing, watching film, as if he's going to be the starting left guard. I thought he's been pretty outstanding these last couple of weeks. What are your thoughts about that, Tim? Yeah, I definitely agree. Uh, I think that, you know, by him playing the left side, because when he was at South Carolina, he played a left tackle uh, primarily and did a damn good job holding up against Clemson's uh, Cleveland Farrell, who went number four overall um, a couple of years ago to the Raiders. Uh, but, yeah, so he definitely uh, definitely playing on the left side is, has always been his comfort. Uh, if I was to have any gripes about, you know, what Matt Rule does is that, you know, you're taking players and I, and I get the whole idea of position flexibility, uh, but, you know, you're taking our left sided players, putting them on the right side and vice versa. You know, same thing with Deontay Brown, you know, a guy that, you know, played left guard three years at Alabama, never gave up, a, didn't give up a sack and you draft him and he, yeah, I get his sixth round, but what you do, you place him at, you know, right guard, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, I mean, you know, put these players that they, at their strengths and, and, and let them grow. I mean, even with Brady Christensen, you know, he's a left tackle that you got him getting snaps at right tackle and right guard. 
So, you know, I get this whole, you know, positionless, you know, like basketball positions, basketball flexibility. But when it comes to the trenches, um, you, you like some flexibility, but, you know, you, re you really want to get guys that can really excel at the at, at, at their at their positions, you know, particularly if they're going to be starters. Yeah, and I think if you want to pinpoint two weaknesses on the offensive line, definitely left tackle. I mean, Whew. you know, Cam Irving, he may be a good person in real life, but his football performance this year, man, just leaves a lot to be desired. Mr. Um, DBO. <laughs> and, you know, I think and I understand what Matt Rule and with his mentality saw in Cam Irving. Just his athletic traits are elite. His, you know, every prototype built for a left tackle. So Matt Rule just thought he was a project that he would be better in his hands than he did at various stops. But, you know, through four games for, right now, he's the same Cam Irving we saw in, you know, Kansas City, same Cam Irving we saw in Dallas. He's just, you know, we're just not really seeing any improvements in his game. The effort's not there. Um, Smooth does our O-line grades for us. Done a phenomenal job doing that. Cam Irving against the Cowboys was the lowest grade he's ever given to an offensive lineman since he started doing the grades. And that includes Greg Little last year, who really struggled when he got a few reps in there. So I think instead of trying to paintbrush the entire offensive line as a bad unit, I think we can pinpoint Cam Irving as a liability at that left tackle position. And just, I won't say John Miller's a bad player, but the inconsistency of John Miller at right guard. One game, uh, John Miller plays excellent. The next game, you know, the effort's just not there. But I know Matt Rule, didn't he say John Miller was hurt, if I recall, Kevin? Was playing with a shoulder injury that was bothering him? Yeah, he was battling with a, sh a shoulder injury, yeah. Yeah, so that might explain why his performance was a little off against the Cowboys. So we'll see if he plays this week and get him healthy and we get to the good John Miller this week. Or if not, maybe we'll see one of the young guys have to step in and play at guard. The next comment, the Cowboys had a chance to plan against us because they knew McCaffrey was out and could place a lot more pressure to Darnold, hence his two rushing TDs. But they knew that the other run these can't stretch the field as good as McCaffrey. They have definitely slowed up their pressure attack that would have made their LBs run all game. Now, with uh, Darnold's runs, I would actually credit uh, Joe Brady for that because what he does is he gives them an option. So what he did on the touchdown run is he motioned out the running back, I believe, and the linebacker exited the box and followed the running back into coverage. So that signals to Darnold, this is man coverage. Like we said, when defenses play man, they're not focused on the quarterback. The back sevens, you know, has their back turned to them, focused on coverage. In this case, by motioning out the running back, I know it's hard to see without, you have to visualize it without a graphic, but by motioning the running back out, he took the linebacker with him. Now you had a situation in the box where you have five offensive linemen against four defenders. So when Darnold sees that automatically in his head, oh, this is quarterback draw. So Joe Brady, I think you got to give him credit for the way he designs these runs to get his quarterback involved. And you saw a lot of this at LSU with Joe Burrow as well, where he would, you know, give the quarterback that option to run in the red zone by based on box counts. Simple math. If we have five blockers versus four or five defenders. Everyone's accounted for run the QB. You know, if they play it more of a zone or something, and they don't move and we have route number, now we'll probably see more of those passes in the red zone. So I think 
the quarterback runs are more a result of the Cowboys playing man coverage and Joe Brady giving Darnold that option. Uh, Dennis Daly and Irving are the weakest link. No, I don't think Dennis Daly is the weakest link at all. I think he's probably been our best uh, outside of Taylor Moten, of course. I mean, he might even been better than Moten against Houston, but outside of Taylor Moten, I thought these past two games, now he did struggle at first. We're not going to deny that. These last mm-hmm. two games, I think Dennis Daly has been one of our better uh, offensive linemen. I think he's earned that starting left guard job. And that's what yeah, I we think we have to get out of the habit of when we think about linemen. Don't think of them at their worst moments. You know, it's just one or two plays that you see on a replay, slow-mo replay on TV where a guy's getting beat and you kind of label him as a bad player. You know, look at the game in its totality. You'll see David Dennis Daly made some very good plays for us these last couple of weeks. Do you have anything you wanted to add to that? Yeah, I was just saying as fans, you know, like you, you really took the words out of my mouth. You know, let's not get caught up in the moment of a bad play, and like I said, just make it, label it, you know, because, you know, one thing I don't hear fans say is that, you know, when these running backs have a good run, like, for example, you know, when Chuba Hubbard had that nice big run up the gut, what happened? Matt Paradis took that defensive tackle and put him on his backside, you know, but, you know, you don't hear no fans talking about that, you know what I'm saying? It's almost as if the running backs just doing it on their own. So, again, you know, if, if looking at the offensive line, in more detail is not a sex and attractive to you. I get it. That's why you guys like me and Big Smooth to, you know, break down the trenches. Uh, but, you know, when we when we break it down and we tell you something, you know, take it for truth um, here. But we got no problem if you want to watch for yourself and, and challenge whatever we say. But, um, yeah, don't don't let one or two or even three bad plays make you think that, you know, this, this player had a horrible game. Okay, that's our last comment for the night. We're about an hour into the show now. You think the Panthers should go get Dave DeCastro? He can't be here anymore and put Pat, Pat Elfline and John Miller would love for them to get Jalen Smith, especially with the injury to Shaq. And we already addressed uh, Jalen Smith. We agree that he'd be a good addition to the linebacker room. You know much about Dave DeCastro, Kev? Is that something you would look into? He's what I'm. He he just doesn't stay healthy enough for us, you know. Which is one of the reasons why he was let go. In addition to cap cap space, um, you know. So for me, I, I I get it, you know, because he's more of a recognized name, you know, being with the uh, being with the Steelers, um, here. But um, you know, if we're gonna make any moves that guard, you know, it'll be guys that like um, um, like um, Matt Dahl, you know, he's out there. Um, what's his name? Uh, uh, oh, oh, uh, damn, I can't say his name. O S M E. I think you know his name. With um, Osmelly. Yeah, Osmelly. I couldn't say it. Yeah, plays real nasty. You know, he would be a better upgrade um at guard for us. Um, you know, some people talk about you know Mitchell Swartz. He's a naturally a right tackle. Um, you know, we're already set there. Uh, but, you know, coming off of the Achilles, we've learned, you know, offensive linemen, you know, with lower leg, serious lower leg injuries really hasn't done well with us. You know, think back to Matt Khalil with his hip replacement. Um, but, yeah, but uh, Dave DeCastro just can't seem to stay uh, healthy enough. Um, I know another guy that's out there that worked with Pat Meyer in San Diego was um, Forrest Lamp. Um, he's out there. Um, eh, he, he all right. <laughs> you know, not the best, not the worst. He's all right. 
Um, but definitely, um, but definitely, there are some uh, upgrades, particularly um, at guard, that's out there that we could uh, definitely, uh, definitely could use to. Uh, I think would uh, definitely bolster that position. All right, well, there you have it. We appreciate everybody that tuned in to the live uh, podcast tonight. If you weren't able to tune in tonight, we'll have it up for you on all our platforms, uh, iTunes, Spotify, Omni, uh, YouTube, probably by usually Wednesday, Thursday. So get you a nice little preview before big game on Sunday. And what are we, Kevin, at uh, 1 p.m. at Bank of America this week? Yes, sir. 1 p.m. at um at uh, Bank of America, you know, week five. It's, uh... Uh, it's going to be a doozy. You know, the Eagles, you know, they, they, they fans are feeling confident watching what happened to us against the uh, um, Cowboys. You know, uh, I, I can get why a little bit, but, uh, you know, definitely, you know, I just think that it's going to be a good game. It's not going to be an easy game, but it's a game that I think that if we can, if, if we can clean up the messes that we cause for ourselves, uh, that we can, um, we definitely should, like you say, make this a high scoring game. I say anything less than 31 points, you know, we're, we're, we're really playing around with it here. And, um, you know, the weather is going to be about seven, eight degrees, um, on Sunday as well. Um, all the rain that's uh, getting ready to start in the Charlotte area going to be unstopped, uh, stopped by then. Um, so, uh, I'm looking forward to it. So get out there and uh, fill up the stadium, you know, the, Philadelphians down in Charlotte will be there, so don't let them outnumber you. <laughs> Please don't. Please don't. You know, and as always, you know, make sure you y'all catch us, you know, for the uh post game. You know, typically we do it around seven, seven thirty-ish on right. Sunday. And uh only reason why we're doing um Tuesday night instead of our normal, our new normal Monday night, uh, was you know, just some scheduling differences last night. So that's why we're doing it tonight. So apologize for the fans that was hitting me up last night and asking. Um, why, you know, we wasn't on um, our regular Monday night schedule. Uh, well, you know, uh, we'll probably be back on our regular Monday schedule, wouldn't you say? Yeah, we'll be back on uh, Monday. Yeah, we're normally going to do Mondays, go back to that Monday uh, schedule. We just had some time-ish conflicts uh, last night, so. Yeah. yeah. The next one will be on um, Sunday, and this one will be up on all our platforms on probably by Thursday, Friday this week, so be on the lookout for that, so. As always, thank y'all for tuning in. Uh, any final remarks? Yeah, as always, I want to thank our fans for supporting us on all of our platforms. Y'all really make it fun and interesting in social media. Um, I personally want to apologize. I know a lot of y'all have been tagging me in Panther groups and things of that nature. I, I'll go ahead and share it. I've been in Facebook jail since last Friday. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I commented on a picture of a girl wearing a wig, and all I said was, whoever the mother of this third grade child with a wig on need to get checked. And Facebook said that I are speaking violent behavior. I didn't tag nobody, but because I said needs to be put in check, that was considered violent behavior. So I got seven days. So I'd be out of jail eight o'clock Friday morning. So <laughs> forgive me if y'all have been tagging me in these groups and I haven't responded because I'm always getting notifications. So uh, I, I'll be back and, and I'll behave. I promise. <laughs> well, there you have it don't forget you know follow us on twitter make sure you do that we're also on trying to get the instagram back up and running sorry for the inactivity on that also on facebook and youtube so everybody thank you for tuning in keep pounding let's beat these eagles sunday and we'll see you guys sunday evening after the game <laughs>